And so before we begin to submerge into the study of the depths of our inheritance that is in Jesus Christ, the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So that we as the participants of the body of Christ would share with Christ the fulfillment of all that is written about him in Scripture, we will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit. This is the truth that's concealed in our heart and with the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth in the heart. What we need to do from our side so that we can receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can put on the new way of life. As a matter of fact, I want to remind us that this is our primary purpose that we are called to. And if a person does not comprehend this, understand this, he will lose his salvation. This is very unfortunate. Millions of Christians today have received a very different gospel today, a very different calling that absolutely does not correspond to the Word of God. I recently was speaking with one person and he began to tell me that God sent everyone, all men, <clears throat> to preach the Word of God and that all are led by the Holy Spirit. And I told him, you don't know the scriptures well. God sent the apostles because the word sent a messenger is an apostle, and so those who have sent themselves, or they were sent by someone, they are not in the rank of apostles, they do not have morality or the morality of an apostle, <clears throat> they don't have the consistency, the heart of a father of, uh, of an apostle, and today they call them missionaries from the word of doing some kind of work, a mission, but this is not the case, and to be led by the Holy Spirit <clears throat> is not something that everyone can do, but only a spiritual person. Um, a carnal person is not able to be led by the Holy Spirit and resists the Holy Spirit. And for the most part, this number, uh, they are carnal. To put off, regarding your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts, be made new by the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new self created by God in true righteousness and holiness, Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. Apostle Paul speaks of these same things uh, in Colossians as well. This commanding order contains the true calling of every person that follows Christ. According to Scripture, a person that does not fulfill this commandment is a person that resists Christ and is members it members this person to the category of the Antichrists. To fulfill this given commanding order, we've noted that there are three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts that we must do. This is to put off, be renewed, and put on. We've noted that it is specifically our decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts to put off, be renewed, and put on that will determine whether we transform ourselves into vessel of, vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath, or more specifically, will our salvation be determined that is given to us in the format of a guarantee or will we lose it forever which will then result <clears throat> in our names being blotted out of the book of life 
And so again, when we're talking about this uh, salvation given in the format of a guarantee, that means it needs to be produced into fruit. In a particular format, we already looked at the first two requirements and stopped to study the third requirement. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the power of our already renewed mind, we can begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created according to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. Here it's talking about the new person that has been grown into full measure of growth in Christ, where a person that has such a spirit is called a spiritual person. And if a person has not been has not grown into full measure of growth in Christ, he will resist the truth as his mind will not be able to understand it. He will <clears throat> evaluate everything with his mind. His mind is not renewed by the spirit of his mind, and he will not be able to comprehend the truth. He will resist the truth. We stop to study the condition contained in the 18th Psalm of David, where the Holy Spirit reveals the demands according to which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon, or God Most High, so that we can be saved from our enemies that live within our body. The essence of this condition consists in this, that in the circumstances of our hardship, when we are putting off the old man, we can call upon the Most High as to our God and confess the faith of our heart, saying, Who God is to us in Jesus Christ? what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, who we are to God in Jesus Christ, and what conditions do we need to fulfill to inherit all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ and by Jesus Christ. We've noted that the given allegory is one of the most powerful and all-capturing examples demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind as King David with the name of God Most High and their violent conflict with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul and with governing sin as our old person. <clears throat> and so three kings living in one body and they battle, <clears throat> they are in a battle for this body and the field of battle is our heart. And so that by the means of the confessions of the faith of our heart, proclaiming who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, and who we are to God in Jesus Christ, God can receive the proper basis or foundation that He needs to join the battle for our earthly body, so He can shame the governing within our body sin, which is the old person by the power of His redemption, and with noise forever thrust Him out into hell so that he can erect within our body the stronghold of life, or the stronghold of incorruption. In its character, the Psalm of David contains three parts, where we see demonstrated an example of the character of legitimate prayer that belongs to kings, priests, and prophets. First part identifies the state of the heart of David as a warrior in prayer, which is the required basis for the legitimate status of his prayer, belonging to kings, priests, and prophets. The kind of state our heart will be in is the kind of prayer we will have. If our heart is not corresponding to a warrior in prayer, is not in accordance to a warrior in prayer, then our prayer will not uh, satisfy that requirement either. We will pray as Hagar in the wilderness, thinking we're priests and kings, that we are entering to his presence when we will actually be in the wilderness where there's no water.
Second part opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer itself, which belongs to kings, priests, and prophets, which gives God the proper basis to deliver David and us as well from the hands of all of our enemies. Third part illustrates the prayer, ba prayer battle itself in an epic way, which belongs to us and be is beyond the limitation of the typical human mind that we as warriors in prayer clothed into the virtue of a king priest and prophet lead the battle for the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ because this is our calling to bear the fruits of the Spirit not to be clothed into gifts of the Holy Spirit but clothe ourselves into the fruits of the Spirit because if someone wants to clothe himself into the gifts of the Holy Spirit and meet Christ then he will immediately go to hell because to clothe yourself into gifts of the Holy Spirit is to make the gifts of the Holy Spirit your idol we are called to clothe ourselves into Jesus Christ and not into his gifts we are called to clothe ourselves into his death so that in his resurrection we can grow this fruit of the Spirit the virtue of a king consists of our mind being renewed by the spirit of our mind which gives us the power to the right to rule over the emotional aspect of our body and lead them under the bridle as a horse of battle. The virtue of a priest gives us the power to the right to run to God as warriors in prayer so that we can perform legitimate intercession for the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. The virtue of a prophet gives our new person the right to enter the devere the Holy of Holies, so that we can hear the voice of God above the lid of the golden ark within our heart and provides God with the foundation that He needs to hear our intercessions and respond to them. Not all priests were able to enter into the devere. Only one priest was able to enter the devere, the high priest. The, all the rest of the priests were able to enter the holy place and they stopped there. They were not able to enter further. Only one day a year was the high priest able to enter the devere. And so you ask, who are we? Are we priests or are we the high priest? We are the high priest in Jesus Christ because Peter says, Apostle Peter, you are a, a holy priesthood, a holy uh, priesthood, this is the high priest. You are kings and priests to God. In Jesus Christ, we are high priests, not just priests, but high priests that are given the right to enter into the Holy of Holies so that at the lid of the golden ark we can hear the voice of God and there at the lid of this golden ark God can hear our voice as well. In a specific format we already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part which opens up the consistency of legitimate prayer in the eight names of God Most High. We, uh, It is important for us to study and search the way our prayer needs to be because this is this will determine our future not talking even about our present only getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David we have been studying the second part in the eight names of God most hide where in this legitimate prayer we see the power of the eight names of God Most High, getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David in the eight names of God and our heart as well. These eight names of God allowed David and allowed us to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so that he can be saved from his enemies. To call upon the Lord is something that only a high priest can do and God getting to know and confessing the truth that opens up the power of his names 
within the heart of David provides God with the legitimate basis that he needs to use the power contained in the capabilities of his names in battle against the enemies of David. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise. He is one who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemy, Psalm 18, 1 through 4. And so altogether, let us call upon the uh, Lord who is worthy to be praised. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord establish this for us. May He confirm this within our life, within our hearts, so that this confession every time would grow, be grown, uh, or grow the tr uh, tree of life in our garden so that it can bear fruits 12 uh, times a year and every month bear its fruit. We already studied our inherited lot in Jesus Christ in the power of four names of God, and these are strength, rock, fortress, and deliverer. And we stopped to study our inherited lot in Christ Jesus in the name of God, Rock of Israel. The given nature of prayer where David confesses his inherited lot in the eight names of God Most High identified the inheritance that is contained in the covenant that is made between God and man. In meaning or in significance, the nature of prayer is a strategic teaching which is purposed to be the calling of every warrior in prayer, ones that have these those that lead the battle for their bodies with the Holy Spirit, ones that have the virtue of kings, priests, and prophets who are anointed to rule over the earthly body. If a person has not accepted the given to him anointing to govern over his calling, which is his mortal body, in the status of a king, priest, and prophet, so that he can change it, into the virtue of a heavenly body, then this revelation that is purposed for worshiping God in prayer will not benefit him. Therefore, the quality and lexicon identifying the name of God, living rock, as with the previous names of God Most High, is not able to be found in any existing dictionary of the world. In Hebrew, the word living rock means edge of a cliff, stone, or a stone defense covering or shadow of a cliff, a rock bearing victory over the enemy, elephant tusk, elephant ivory, from which we are called to build a throne for the Word of God so that we can erect and elevate the Word of God so that the Holy Spirit can anoint then that Word. Sixth, a rock representing eternal government. Seventh, a rock containing the promise of imperishable food. And eighth, a rock serving as a comfort of peace. The power of the name of God, Rock of Israel, there we are called to find this comfort of peace. Using the power of the given components contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, we are called to receive the victorious ability to keep and increase our profits that we receive from the invested silver of our salvation. This profit consists of the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ and is a component of the perfect will of God. Considering such a necessary tandem or such a union of God with man, it 
became vital for us to identify within each aspect of our essence the role of God and the role of man, what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel, what purpose as it relates to achieving our salvation is our inherited lot called to fulfill in the name of God, Rock of Israel, what price needs to be paid to provide God with a proper basis or foundation to be our Rock of Israel in a specific format as much as God has allowed and according to the measure of our faith we have already studied the essence of the first three questions and have been studying the fourth question by what science do we determine that God is our rock as it relates to the achieving of our calling which consists of erecting the stronghold of life within our mortal body so that we can transform it into an incorruptible body by the results of which we can judge that our heart is a stronghold for Christ and that God has the proper foundation to reveal himself in the temple of our body in the power of his name, Rock of Israel. According to the covenant of peace that is made between us and God, we decided to restrict ourselves to only eight signs, although there are many more of them. In the previous services, seven signs were already subjects of our study. Therefore, we will pay attention today to the eighth sign that consists of obtaining power to the right to be a dove of the Most High in the clefts of the rock in the secret places of the cliff. This cleft of the rock is contains the power of the name of God, Rock of Israel. It is there that the dove is, that God wants to see. He calls her out from there, from this cleft of the rock. O my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the secret places of the cliff, let me see your face, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Songs of Solomon 2.14 In other words, to be in the secret places of the cliff, which is safety from sin that has control in our body, representing the image of a stronghold, is to hide or cover in the death of the Lord Jesus by acknowledging the authority of the person that is placed to carry responsibility for us in the body of Christ. To hear the voice of the Lord and the voice of the person that is placed over us by God, the voice asking us to show our face to God means receive for your body the resurrection of Christ in the erection of the stronghold of life within our body. For this purpose, it is necessary to pay the price for the right to possess the nature of the Holy Spirit, identified as the nature of a dove. The nature of the Holy Spirit is presented in Scripture in the virtue of the simplicity of a dove that demonstrates itself in the status of a servant of the Lord, which allows him to be a warrior in prayer, converting the perfect will of God into reality through our sacred person that is being moved and led by the Holy Spirit. When we allow the Holy Spirit to pray together with us so that the will of God can be fulfilled, this can happen when a person leaves his nation, the house of his father, his life in the flesh, in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then the Lord will call him out from this uh, cleft of the rock from death. <clears throat> Behold, I send you out as, sheeps, as sheep in the midst of wolves, therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves, Matthew 10, 16. And the scriptures command us that we be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. 
The thing is, the Holy Spirit also has wisdom, the wisdom of a serpent. He doesn't just have the simplicity of a dove. He also has the wisdom of a serpent. About Christ, it is written, who is blind like my servant and deaf as my messenger sent by me. You saw many things, heard many things, but did not notice them. Have the ability to be to have the blindness of Christ and deafness of Christ, to not see the corruption, the evil that's in this world, not notice it. And to be deaf for the voice of the flesh or any other flesh around you. I told you of a situation where I was working in a park. It was uh, near the Black Sea. I was a photographer and... There was a fountain nearby where it was a a very interesting place to come and see because there were colorful fountains and people would come there to see them. And there was always music playing because this fountain always played to music or to move to music. They had specific melodies and they would play. And when we uh, went to a different city, uh, named Sachi, we came there for uh, to pick up product. We came in to a soup kitchen to to eat, and there was music playing. And I asked them, "What is this song?" And they told me, "What do you, what do you mean? Have you never heard this song?" And I said, I, "It's the first time I hear it." And they said, "Are you are you joking or are you telling us honestly?" And they said, "It's impossible for you not to hear this song. Plays about fifty uh, 50 times a day, they replay the song where the f- fountains are where you work. And I, and I said, strange, why did I never listen to or hear it? And why? And I was surprised as to why I heard it here and not there. Why did I not hear it near the fountains where I work, but I hear it here in this kitchen where I was eating? Because I was not vigilant here. I decided I don't need to be vigilant here. Here, when I went to work, I always prayed and said, Lord, May my eyes and my ears be be protected. May I be deaf and blind to things around me. And I sometimes, the Lord was so strong sometimes, the presence of the Lord, that I, I would cry during work. And I would wear glasses, uh, just dark glasses, so nobody would see me crying. I, I felt the Lord's presence. And I paid attention when people that were... Uh, uh, either demonically uh, affected or possessed, they would avoid me. <clears throat> and I knew these people were in some sort of possession. This area around me was very holy and they fe- they sensed it, they felt it. And when I went to this kitchen, I, I decided I wasn't vigilant in the moment and I realized uh, that you you always need to, your, your ears and eyes be continuously blind and deaf or have that blindness and deafness of Christ and so the serpent wears her wisdom so that she not hear the the voice of the of the of the magician it, it covers its ear with one of its ears with its tail and leans the other ear to the to the ground to the earth so that the serpent doesn't uh, hear it and she does it and she does this in a way that this uh, magician won't see that she, that's what she's doing. And so when the time comes uh, that he approaches her, she she attacks. 
Um, and so if she, if her ears uh, were open, she he would have been able to take control of her. Why do many of us fall into sins? Because our ears are open. We don't have this wisdom of the serpent and simplicity of the dove. I send you as sheep among wolves, so be as wise as these serpents. And so the word simplicity or simple in the original Greek and Hebrew language, the word simple, uh, these are translated from different words. In the word simple, as be simple as a dove, when uh, you ask someone, they say, well, this is just someone that's not really um, maybe as intelligent, uh, uh, somewhat naive. This is an individual that's naive, not very intelligent, but it's talking about a different simplicity It's that in the Greek language only is uh, used only when talked about when they're talking about pure gold or pure silver or <clears throat> something that, that does not have foreign inclusions in it, as well as pure wine that does not have in itself any foreign additions or, or inclusions and is not mixed with water. That's the simplicity it's referring to. When the Word of God is concealed in the heart that is cleansed from foreign inclusions of the flesh, when we are standing guard that no one uh, pervert that truth uh, that's in our heart. Therefore, simplicity uh, comes from the word simple in the Greek language. In the given place of scripture, it means pure, guiltless, undamaged, and one that does not have any foreign particles. In Hebrew, the an- analogical Greek word simplicity means perfection, fullness, wholeness, uprightness. The more complete meaning of the word simple in the given place of scripture means complete, the only one, the only one meaning the spirit of <clears throat> of man has united with with the spirit of God as a husband and wife uh, unite together when they get to know one another. And so God getting to know us, us getting to know God, you unite. Let us be one, uh, Jesus prayed. Let them be to one as we are one together. And so when God and I are not uh, separate, when in this glass, this clean water, it's both God and us. We're one spirit that uniting with God, we are then in one spirit. Complete, the only one, sincere, pure, healthy, truthful, without deceit, without hate, humble or gentle, upright, loving peace, which indicates the desire to take care of, examine the bond, find satisfaction, desire good, to love, to be friendly, and to nourish an organic, sincere feeling for one another for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ 2 Corinthians 11 2, 3 so if Eve would not have uh turned away from the simplicity that she had, the devil would not have been able to deceive her. She would, He would speak to her, but she would not have heard him. The fact that she heard him, she turned away from that simplicity of Christ. In the moment, a person who has the simplicity of Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit, simplicity of the Holy Spirit, he's not he, hearing this, this uh, forceful uh, voice. 
the devil is not is not foolish as it were he's crafty he's sneaky but he won't shoot in the same place if if there's a a shield or a, a protected area he'll he'll look for a place that's vulnerable and that's where he will shoot and if we don't have this virtue of the deafness of Christ we'll have that vulnerable place where he can shoot to win the war with our old nature and the supporting it sin and death it is necessary to possess the simplicity of a dove that is in the cleft of the rock <clears throat> that is linked to the virtue of a servant of the Lord by which we can identify the true simplicity the simplicity of the Holy Spirit <clears throat> is being a servant of the Lord and so <clears throat> cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. Psalm 143, 12. David had the simplicity of a dove. To be a servant of the Lord means to carry his seal. That would testify of our belonging to God, because a servant in the ancient world had a specific mark or on his body, and this was evidence used to determine who specifically the slave belonged to. He couldn't remove this mark <clears throat> that was on his body because it was burned into his skin. The seal was uh, was very uh, was was really hot. They would they would they would uh, heat it up and then they would put it upon the skin and burn it into the skin. And in this way, people were able to determine who the slave belonged to, which owner or ruler. To be clothed into the noble virtue of a servant of the Lord, which is confirmed by the simplicity of a dove, and in this way destroy within our body our sinful origin and governing sin and death, which is supporting the sinful origin. We have been studying the seal of God. <clears throat> How is the seal of God applied or placed? You know, similar to this other mark, you remember how uh, the Lord had put his seal upon Prophet Isaiah. He took the rod, he made it really, really hot in the fire, and he, he brought it near to his lips. And he told him, now your lips are clean because the seal on the forehead can be examined, can be determined by a gentle tongue. If we have a gentle tongue, then we have this mark of God on our forehead because our tongue speaks of what's in our mind and our mind is disciplined by the word of God. It's girded by the word of God and so it's he can't think of anything different. He is not attracted by something different. He's always in his mind, his imagination, his thoughts. He's always captivated by the laws of God, meditates about the laws of God. And the medi these meditations are always in, upon his tongue. May the words of your truth not depart from my lips and day and night so that I can fulfill everything that is written. And God says, you will be then uh, blessed in all of your all 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 areas of your life. <clears throat> when uh, he said this to Joshua, when he had taken uh, the delegation from Moses uh, to continue on uh, and lead the nation, and so spiritual thoughts is the seal of the living God. Uh, thoughts of the world are the mark of the beast upon our forehead. And so, we began to study the questions, the essence or mystery that is contained in the virtue of a servant of the Lord, so that we can determine whether we have the simplicity of a dove and the wisdom 
of the Holy Spirit and the simplicity of the Holy Spirit so that we could be a dove in the cleft of the rock. The essence or mystery that is contained in the virtue of a servant of the Lord, the calling that is contained in the virtue of a servant of the Lord, the price for the right to possess the virtue of a servant of the Lord, and the results from having the status of a servant of the Lord. <clears throat> the world's understanding and they understand and define the status of a servant as a person that, due to specific reasons, was deprived of his sovereign rights to demonstrate his will. And secondly, was obligated to fulfill the will of his master that has overcome him or to whom he sold himself to be a slave. For specific reasons or situations, and the greatest form or the leader of belittling slavery that suppresses our will is the old nature which is our master, whom we inherited from the sinful life of our fathers. Therefore, sin and death that lives within the body of a person governs over him, suppressing his will to do good just because of where this old man originated from, from the aimless conduct or the sinful life of our fathers. <clears throat> and until he gets to know the truth and uh, receives the Holy Spirit as led, and is led, is led by the Holy Spirit, he will depend on this old person. Jesus answered them to the Jews, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. John 8, 34. At the same time, every person that performs righteousness is a slave of righteousness or possesses the status of a servant of the Lord. Therefore, a person who possesses the status of a servant of the Lord, people think about freedom. People thinking about freedom don't understand what freedom, uh, what freedom means. As it is in literal terms, there's no actual freedom that exists. There's freedom from sin and there's freedom from righteousness. When you're free from sin, you are a slave of righteousness. When you are free, when you're a slave of righteousness, you're free from sin. But the right to choose the form of, of servitude, slavery, ser uh, is given to us when we leave spiritual infancy not leaving spiritual infancy we are stumbling we are attracted by various winds of doctrine the trickery of men today we're listening to one person tomorrow to an another person we search the internet and this says what that we are just people of the flesh people that are carnal we are resisting what's of the spirit we don't understand it and so we then search all over the internet we don't know whom god has placed over us we ourselves are choosing people that we put over ourselves so that they deceive us uh, our uncircumcised ear in this way, a person who possesses the status of a servant of the Lord is a person that was purchased by God from slavery of, slavery of sin and death, and because of his love for God, he has voluntarily refused to demonstrate his own will for the benefit of demonstrating the will of God, because his will will demonstrate God's because his, his uh, uh, carnal will will be to demonstrate the lusts and passions of his flesh, but his will in this case changes into God's will. So, as we sometimes sing, may your will become my will. Or voluntarily upon the conditions of God, we dedicate ourselves to God and focus all of the energy, energy of our will to fulfill the will of God. Doing so, we become a Nazarite of God, bearing the reproach that is against God upon our own head, which gives Christ the basis to, he needs to live within our heart to demonstrate himself in 
the name of God, Rock of Israel. And for God, it gives God the basis he needs to place us into the entrails of the Son as the good wife that possesses the virtue of a narrow gate. Therefore, the identification of a servant of the Lord in Scripture is directly linked to the presence of the nature of Christ within a person, the nature of Christ and the nature of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Scripture, in the previous service, we already looked at two questions which identified the simplicity of the Holy Spirit and similar to its simplicity of the bride of the Lamb in the form of a dove that is within the cleft of the rock in the secret places of the cliff. So today, we will be studying the third question. I will bring forth, I'll remind us of, shortly remind us of the seven statuses of a servant of the Lord before we begin studying the third question. And these we have already gone through. The status of a servant of the Lord that is like a dove that is within the cleft of the rock and the secret places of the cliff is identified in Scripture as the individual God himself, the Father himself. When the word of God comes comes out of his mouth, he immediately becomes a servant of his word. And he voluntarily becomes a servant of his word. He has... uh, elevated the throne of his word in himself and he is obedient to his words and he has power and ability to fulfill, easily fulfill what he says second, the status of a servant of the Lord that is like a dove that is within the clefts of the rock and the secret place of the cliff is identified in scripture as the individual son of God in the status of the son of man the status of a servant of the Lord that is like a dove that is within the clefts of the rock and the secret place of the cliff is identified in scripture as the individual Holy Spirit fourth, the status of a servant of the Lord that is like a dove that is within the clefts of the rock and the secret place of the cliff is that category of saints that is oriented on being ready to follow the Holy Spirit to meet God as their groom. Fifth, the status of a servant of the Lord that is like a dove that is within the clefts of the rock in the secret place of the cliff is the greatest rank of authority and virtue in the kingdom of heaven. Sixth, the status of a servant of the Lord that is like a dove that is within the clefts of the rock in the secret place of the cliff gives a person power to the right to perform the perfect will of God. And seventh, the status of a servant of the Lord that is like a dove that is within the clefts of the rock in the secret place of the cliff will indicate that the type of spirit we are being led by and by whom we are overcome. If we are led by the Holy Spirit, that means we are overcome by the Holy Spirit and we're servants of the Holy Spirit. And eighth, the status of a servant of the Lord that is like a dove that is within the clefts of the rock and the secret place of the cliff will demonstrate itself in man in wisdom that comes from above. That will be put into his his heart. And so we have two natures of wisdom that are united. This is when we have the elementary teaching of Christ. This is one nature of wisdom. In the hearts of all the gifted artisans, I will give knowledge, and the Holy Spirit then gives a definition or explanation of what this wisdom is in our heart. God does not reveal to us the written word of God. The written word of God, he reveals to the reader, the apostles, but the apostles that are readers, he 
he delegates his apostle and the gives him the ability to read blessed is the reader in 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 the singular form and then the those who hear and uh, these words all that hear they're in their heart they're able to see the revelation of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit will reveal what is already written in your heart <clears throat> and the reader he will re he reveal uh, what is written in the book <clears throat> and the reader will need to pass it or bring it into his heart grow it there and then pass it on to the church of God this is God's principle there's not another principle that God has placed this is his principle Question three, what price needs to be paid so that we can possess the right to have the virtue of a servant of the Lord as a dove that is within the clefts of the rock and the secret place of the cliff, by the, by the status of which we can examine ourselves that we have entered into the inheritance of our lot contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel. First price for the right to possess the status of a servant of the Lord as testimony that we are this dove that is within the clefts of the rock and the secret place of the cliff consists in being humble before God, by which we can determine, we can examine ourselves, that we have entered the inherited lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel. <clears throat> and so having this fruit of humility, being humble, you can't ask for humility from God. Humility is something you grow when you pass through the valley of the shadow of death. Humility you grow when, when the husband says, I don't like what he says on from the stage uh, but you don't agree in this case one sister came to me and says I want to confess I don't know what to do I live with my husband more than 50 years and I'm always resisting what he says he likes hot tea and says and he says my dear make me some hot tea and I before him him watching I boil water and then when he doesn't notice, uh, I always add cold water to his cup and bring, uh, put a, a packet of tea and give it to him. And he said, uh, he said, he keeps saying, it's lukewarm, it's never hot enough. Uh, but, and she and asked her, why did you do these kinds of things? And she says, well, he took me by force. And I said, what do you mean? Well, I had many people, many uh, potential uh, uh other men that uh, were interested and and so she got married to this uh, this man and they have a lot of children and this is the kind of um, situation they're in and and he doesn't know that she is constantly doing things like this toward him and I had to explain to her how she needs to love her husband you begin loving your husband not, not with your feelings because you will not, if you want to love your husband with your feelings, you won't be able to love God either because you can't love God with your feelings. It's not possible. You have to love God by fulfilling God's commandments. You need to love your husband fulfilling uh, your responsibility. And when you do this, your feelings will change. They will follow your decisions. <clears throat> You'll see that your feelings will change. And then the sister testified, uh, later saying if someone would have told me this earlier when I'm already 70 years old she's saying 
she's saying, I, I learned to love him. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maid servant. for behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. <clears throat> Luke 146 46-48, she calls herself a servant of the Lord. You'll ask how this young girl, she's 15, 16 years old at this time, could become a servant of the Lord. Yes, she was born in the family of a priest. <clears throat> she was born from a young age. She heard <clears throat> and learned. And the little boys, little girls in the families of priests, uh, when, when they're already 12, <clears throat> they knew uh, the five books by memory. By memory. And not just the five books. They knew what 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 followed what they knew how to bring an offering uh, they were present during the these times they were always taught and the first word that a child was taught was not mother or father but the word God Yahweh and so in way did she uh, was she able to build, form this humility in her because she disciplined her mouth with gentleness, the gentleness that was in her heart. She had a gentle heart. And to have a gentle heart, you need to, from a young age, discipline yourself with the Word of God. You understand that. You say, well, it's not possible for children. It is possible. Children are not so submergent to sin. It's easier when they hear the word of God, it's easier for them to dis discipline themselves with gentleness. And being 15, 16, they could be humble in heart and disciplined in their, with their mouth. That is up upon the condition, of course, that the parents teach them that there is an order that, that is present in the family. <clears throat> if there's no order in the family, if a child, when the father disciplines uh, when the father disciplines the child, he goes to the mo the mother and complains against the father. This is not order. Uh, the mother needs to say, the father did the right thing. Don't come and complain to me about it. In this way, will she uh, elevate the status of, her, of the father within their eyes? But in this way, a child will go to the mother or the father when it's beneficial. He'll he'll choose which one to go to. The wife doesn't have the right to discipline uh, the child in the presence of the father. But if the father is disciplining, uh, she should go to a different room so she not watch how the father disciplines the child. <clears throat> because if the wife begins to discipline <clears throat> the, the child in the presence of the husband, the husband will not be able to take it. I remember in the beginning when my mother would discipline me and my father was watching, the father would uh, defend me and, and tell the, the, my mother to hit his hand instead of me. I saw that the father couldn't bear watching it. It will be the same way with the mother. She won't be able to bear watching it. And so when you want to discipline, so we're talking about order, so that there be order in the household. How, how did she uh, create this humility within herself? How did it form? 
There needs to be order. And so humility that is like a dove that is within the clefts of the rock and secret place of the cliff is a noble product that is produced by gentleness of the heart by the means of which we possess the ability to discipline or to tame our mouth by the truth that is concealed within our heart. The condition that we fulfill to make our heart gentle so that we can tame our mouth with the truth that is concealed within our heart is the yoke of Christ that you can take upon yourself and learn and learn from Christ's gentleness and humility of the heart, which reveals itself in the gentleness of our mouth, called to bring our soul to peace. <clears throat> Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, <clears throat> and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. The symbol of the yoke of Christ making us as students capable of paying the price for our learning is the weight of responsibility in fulfilling your calling, which consists of three consecutive acts that come one from the other. Yoke, uh, this is a calling, casting off the old man with his deeds, renewing our mind with the spirit of our mind and clothing our body into our new person. When we receive upon ourselves this responsibility, take it, then we place this weight, the yoke of Christ upon ourselves, the will of God, because the yoke of Christ is the will of the Heavenly Father. You see how I fulfill the will of my Heavenly Father, I've taken the will of my Heavenly Father where the, uh, there was the cross, I have to die upon the cross so that I can uh, take my life back and I receive this command from my Father. <clears throat> and so the yoke is the command of the Heavenly Father. And so we have the command of the Heavenly Father which consists of our calling to cast off the old man, to renew our mind by the spirit of our mind and afterwards, with our mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind, we begin the process of clothing our body into its new person. This is the yoke of Christ. When you take upon yourself this my yoke, he says, then this will be good for you. My yoke is my grace for you. And it is light, because when you take it upon yourself, then immediately the Holy Spirit will come to help you. And you will then find rest for your souls. Our soul finds rest when we receive the promise about the salvation of our soul. Because when we repent, our soul is not saved. We receive salvation for our soul in the form of a guarantee. A guarantee is, is not a guarantee that it will be saved. It's, it's in the form of a seed. But... It is a starting point so that it can grow. <clears throat> and so I have a part of the silver, so, but to save, my, uh, to save my soul, and I need to save it myself. I need a lot of silver, and I don't have enough. I only have some of it. And so what do I need to do? I need to become a good businessman. I need to invest the silver, and when you invest it, you lose it. To invest it, that is in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, sow yourself into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, and in resurrection you will receive your salvation as, as, as the fruit that, uh, that will be your own. 
And so with perseverance, you wait for the promise. God sees the perseverance. He sees the faithfulness that you've received it in your waiting. You have faithfulness. You know that the promise that you've received is the promise for the saving of your soul and your body. And you find rest in that. I'm already at rest. Although I have weaknesses in my body, illnesses, and uh, circumstances that come up, uh, I have peace in, in the soul. Why? Because I've taken the yoke of Christ. I understood where my calling is, not in evangelism, not practicing spiritual gifts, not in materialistic, uh, increasing of materialistic things but in bearing a fruit, casting off of myself the old man. It's not possible to bear fruit uh, until you the seed will die first. The tool that we are called to use to collaborate with the truth of the word that is concealed within our heart and with the Holy Spirit who reveals the meaning of this truth is the gentleness of our heart that is called to demonstrate itself in the gentleness of our mouth with which we are called to discipline ourselves not our husband or wife or children or our neighbor, but ourselves. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Proverbs 15.4 Mary had a wholesome tongue. She had this gentle tongue. She had humility. She humbled herself. And so the Holy Spirit made her the heir. The heiress, she became uh, the mother of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit came upon her and she received. You ask, how did she receive? She received the word. The word is the seed. When she said, let it be according to your word, that seed that she received, the word, the spiritual word, it transformed into a physical seed and she was conceived. She conceived and she, without a man, she then bore Christ in the flesh because the word is always spiritual but it has the ability to materialize when we by faith bring about the invisible we bring it about we transform it from the invisible into the visible and if within our heart during any loss or any gain we Uh, we possess great peace within our heart during the time of any losses or gains which gives our soul peace then this means that we have entered our inherited lot that is contained in the name of God rock of Israel second price for the right to possess the status of a servant of the Lord as testimony that we are a dove that is within the clefts of the rock and secret place of the cliff consists in being vigilant in prayer by the fact of <clears throat> of which we can examine ourselves that we have entered our inherited lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel. <clears throat> Blessed are those servants whom the Master, when he sees, will find watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. Luke 12.37 It's interesting, the phrase of God regarding us, He will gird Himself and have them sit down to eat. That's those that will humble themselves, will have the status of a servant of the Lord. He will gird Himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. means that God will gird Himself with His word that we have concealed and kept in our heart from getting damaged so that this word be fulfilled for us uh, completely or in fullness. 
That's what God will gird himself with. He will gird himself with the word that we have concealed in our heart and have kept it from being damaged or harmed. Therefore, to be vigilant in prayer in the time of the night, which represents the power of darkness, is not to damage the confessed by us truth of the word that is concealed within our heart. This is possible upon one condition, and that is if we have received the truth of this word in an undamaged format. Unfortunately, with great sorrow, a sorrow that actually tears my heart apart, millions of Christians receive, instantly are receiving damaged truth. Why? Because it is preached to them, not by apostles that are sent by Christ. They send themselves, they go uh, complete uh, courses and, and begin to preach. It is written, choose, uh, separate for me from your midst, God said, Barnabas and Saul for the service I've prepared for them. Barnabas and Saul <coughs> were teachers and prophets in the church. God separates these teachers and prophets, these two uh, very representative uh, men, and he clothes them into the virtue of apostles. And in the sec- in next chapter, we see that if in Acts we see in Antioch there were some prophets and teachers, uh, Barnabas is, remi- is remembered there and Saul also. In the 14th chapter, it's talking about apostles, Barnabas and Saul, they were already called apostles because they were sent. And so when a person is sent from the church, by people that are in the church leaders that are, receive a revelation from the Holy Spirit whom needs to be sent and they receive it and the, the person who dele- is delegated receives it and so does the person that needs to be sent and so they send them and give them the means that they need and they pray for them and send them and then this person answers this person that's sent answers to this church not missionary organizations but the church is the missionary uh, the missionary and so when there's a missionary organization never ever work with them before these didn't even exist this was just a church she was the one who sent but now there's missionary organizations and they're completely separate independent from churches that churches are now working with and invest uh, their means uh, into these places not understanding that these people are performing lawlessness we need to understand who can evangelize we can all evangelize in what way that to be a light we're all called to be a light then please in your house be a light for your husband your wife your children for your neighbors for your colleagues at work for those in your church be a light, a candle in the house, a light upon a hill. This is the missionary work in this way. But whom God will send to other countries, other places, these will be apostles. These will be uh, very specific individuals, not a lot of them. And so when God says, I send you, he didn't send everyone. There were a lot of disciples, but he only sent the apostles that he selected to examine yourself as to whether you have received the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ in an undamaged format 
is to be done by looking at four criteria, although there are many more of them. I shall bring forth four of the four criteria, acknowledging the word of the person that is clothed by the Holy Spirit into the authority of a delegated uh, fathership of God, who is given authority from God to know the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ in the, fo- in the format of what is going to happen in the near future. And so the reader, he has the seed of the word in himself, not the water, but the reader of the word, the water will take from the reader. And so you need to ask God and say, Lord, show me the person whom you want me to hear, and I will follow that person wherever they are. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so, do not believe every spirit means don't believe every person. Test those people because there are many false prophets. Testing spirits, we see here false prophets it's referring to. This is not just... Uh, This is not something abstract, this is talking about people, prophets, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know that the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And so every person confessing Jesus Christ uh, who came in the flesh is of God, that every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard uh, was coming and is now already in the world. You are of of God, little children, and have overcome them, these Antichrists, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Here is talking, he's talking to his disciples here, Apostle John. They are of the world. And so they overcame means they are not, they're spiritual people he's referring to and not carnal men. They are of the world about those who they overcame, therefore they speak as of the world and the world hears them. Who is he talking about? He's talking about people in the church who did not acknowledge his apostleship. And he says they are of the world and they speak the things of the world and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. First John 4, 1 through 6. And so, to have an anointing in yourself, you need to first have the teaching. And you need, you. need the first thing to do is you need God to reveal to you the person that you need to listen to. Because if it's not, that's not the case, uh, uh, you'll be listening to different people and they're changing each other's out changing each other out and it becomes a it's a disaster people don't even have then the ability and deprive themselves of the ability to hear the undamaged uh, word second by the ability to understand what the person who is clothed by the Holy Spirit in the authority of a delegated father of God is saying so hearing what this person is saying not just indicate who he is, but also to be able to understand what he says. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written about me in the laws of Moses, the prophets, and Psalms. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Luke 24, 44 through 45. 
And so you first need to receive the person, and only after that will God open up our mind to understand his, his truth. Third, by our ability to monitor how we listen to the words that are spoken by the person who is clothed by the Holy Spirit into the authority of a Father of God. Now, take heed how you hear Luke 18, 18. Fourth, the ability to possess the two formats of wisdom within your good heart, which consists of wholesome, of a wholesome uh, truth of the elementary teaching of Christ and the individual Holy Spirit, who opens up the meaning of the truth of the word that is concealed within our heart. I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans that they may make all that I have commanded you, Exodus 31, 6. And so, upon the grounds of these four principles, we can examine ourselves as to whether we have received the undamaged truth. And upon the grounds of these four principles, we can examine ourselves and search ourselves as to whether we are in the faith. Examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not... How do we then test ourselves if we don't have God's faith? We can't determine what God's faith is. If we don't understand how they need to collaborate with one another, faith and truth, that our faith is obedience to the word of the person whom God has placed over us in the churches. And that's obedience uh, to God's faith, the words that are spoken. Examine yourselves as, as to whether you are in the faith test yourselves do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified 2 Corinthians 13 5 how is Jesus placed into us when we receive the elementary teaching of Christ not when we're born from God that's when we receive the seed the guarantee Jesus can't yet live in our heart in that moment how can Christ live in us if we are attracted by various winds of doctrine, how can Christ live in our heart if we are baptized by the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues but continue to remain carnal and resist the Spirit and everything that comes from the Spirit and consider it foolishness? How can he find a refuge in the heart of a person and live there? He can't. When you say, I've been crucified with Christ and it is not I who live but Christ who lives within me. That's when Jesus put, is put into our heart. When we leave the, the house of our Father, our nation, and our life in the flesh. When we, by the law, die for the law in the, in the body of Jesus Christ and rise in His resurrection. That is when we will be able to examine ourselves. But before this, it won't be possible to examine yourself because you won't know what to examine. And so as it's written, examine yourself as to whether you are in the faith, test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? And so that means you're not yet grown, you're, you're still an infant and a flesh <clears throat> and lusts that are ruling in the body and put on uh, religious garments. Without possessing the instruments of these four principles, we cannot be called the sons of light who understand how to reject the evil and choose the good. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. 
Ephesians 5, 8 through 10. And so an infant in, in Christ doesn't know what the light is. We become light when we become spiritual, when we understand what is good and evil and not just understand it, but can refuse the evil and choose the good when we have the virtue of the blindness and deafness of Christ. Therefore, if we do not have the means and instruments to examine and test in what format we are receiving the truth into our heart, the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ, then we will not have the means or instruments to be vigilant in prayer in the time of the night. God is vigilant in the temple of our body over His Word that we have concealed within our heart but only when it is in an undamaged form so that he can fulfill it in the time that he decides upon the condition we have confessed. We, confessing this word, are also vigilant over it as, uh, as well. We're vigilant over it as well in our own hearts, in our own hearts, in our prayers. And so this means we will be a fragrance of Christ if we are vigilant. Uh, the undamaged word uh, we become a fragrance of Christ. And so how is this proven? The presence of the fragrance of Christ. We do not damage the word of God as many do. We don't peddle with it. And so if this is in us, then this means that we have entered into our inherited lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel, third, price for the right to possess the status of a servant of the Lord as testimony that we are a dove that is within the clefts of the rock and secret place of the cliff consists of having a different spirit or in receiving a different spirit by which we can examine ourselves that we have entered into our inherited lot that is contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, why was he able to follow God fully? In the words of Moses, I will, because he had a different spirit. I will bring him into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. Numbers 14.24 According to the given place of Scripture, we conclude that because we have in ourselves a different spirit, the land that God has promised to give us and our seed as a possession, this land is our body. We already walked and received her, this land, our body, in the form of our inheritance in the preached to us word. We walked it, we already saw how milk and honey flow there in the preach to us word. And so he walked there, he was obedient to God, and he received this. And only afterwards God says, I will lead him in. He did not yet come in, but he says, I will lead him in because he has a different spirit. He says, we will go into this land. I saw these giants, but they are just locusts in our eyes. He was talking to his brothers, we will go, we will overcome. They wanted to stone him because the other spies that also went with him said this is horrifying. See, we brought this grapes and we had to have two men bring it because it was so big and heavy. 
The land is great, but this land is devouring, is what they say. We saw the giants there. <clears throat> the sons the of, 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 of the sons of giants. We are we are the locusts. And so how did how is Caleb able to see these giants as locusts in his eyes? Because he had a different spirit. A different spirit is the spirit of a man that has been grown into full measure of growth in Christ that is able to unite with the Spirit of God and make one whole so that we have the ability to be led by the Holy Spirit and be dependent from the Holy Spirit. When a person unites with the Spirit of God, he possesses the same, the, the boldness and power and there's nothing that he would not be able to fulfill that the word says. If the word says, go and take it, you will go and just take it. They tell you it's not possible. Saul said, you can't. To David, he said, uh, you can't fight this Philistine. He doesn't know uh, anything about uh, uh, fighting or no, being in a war. But he says, I will go and kill this uncircumcised uh Philistine and Saul was afraid the army was afraid but David wasn't afraid why because he had a different spirit in him when you unite with the Lord you fall in love with him and to unite with him is you need to fulfill his commandments only then do you receive a different spirit then the Holy Spirit can come and become the Lord and master of your and my life but now I come to you this is the prayer of Christ in the Gethsemane Valley. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And I've given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. As they, soon as they received the word, they became different, not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Who did he send into the world? these twelve disciples. And for their sakes I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for them, all, these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. You see the unison, the, the unison of God with man, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, and they also may be one in us, and the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, and the, that they may be one just as we are one, in them, in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. John 17. And so how many times does it mention here to become one? And so when we are grown into full measure of growth in Christ, we have a sister, a little sister, she has no breasts. What shall we do for our sister in the day when she is spoken for, when the time comes? and the promise will need to be given 
for the incorrupt body, which will be guaranteed for rapture. What will we do if they come and ask for with the promise God comes and asks for her when we receive the promise for of the redemption of our body that we here on earth need to change into immortality and incorrupt bodies then this is uh, them coming to ask for us God, the Lord coming to ask for us to be, and this is symbolic of course what will we do our sister in the day when she is spoken for if she is a wall because a wall in scripture is a person who has reached a, a, a fullness a wholeness of uh, we will build upon her a battlement of silver and if she is a door we will enclose her with boards of cedar and so he can't enter through the doors if they are not overlaid with cedar wood that's righteousness she has not been clothed into righteousness and then another says I am a wall and my breast like towers then I became in his eyes as one who has found peace songs of Solomon 8 8 through 10 and we know that these two breasts these two towers this is the symbol of the Urim and the Thummim this is the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ that is concealed in the heart that is received in an undamaged format and the individual Holy Spirit that comes in there and he comes there just as Eleazar came to find the bride she he saw this young girl this young woman she gave drink to his ten camels she was from the line of Abraham and when he saw her he gave her gifts he he uh, asked for her and he brought her to Christ if our heart is formed into a tower from the position of which we are able to listen to the voice of God and the words of the messengers of God and God is able to listen to our voice then this means that we have paid the price for the right to possess the status of a servant of the Lord that we are given in the form of a dove that is within the clefts of the rock in the secret place of the cliff because by having this fact factor we can judge that we have entered our imperishable inheritance contained in the name of God rock of Israel fourth price for the right to possess the status of a servant of the Lord as testimony that we are a dove that is within the clefts of the rock and secret place of the cliff consists in the decision to not forget who formed us by this fact we need to judge that we entered our inherited lot contained in the name of God rock of Israel Remember these, O Jacob and Israel, for you are my servant. I have formed you, you are my servant. O Israel, you will not be forgotten by me. Isaiah 44, 21. And so if the word Israel is a warrior in prayer, remember this, Jacob and Israel, a warrior in prayer. I formed you into a warrior of prayer. And he says, don't forget me, you are a warrior in prayer. In the given call addressed to Jacob, who received a new name Israel, God underlines the same phrase twice, you are my servant, which indicates the fact that God sees his people that are grown from the root of Jacob, who were elevated to the status of Israel, a dove that is within the clefts of the rock and the hidden place of the cliff. And the forming of Jacob into the status of Israel is the mutual work of God and man. I formed you, he says. The word formed is sculpt, engrave, create, form into his image. I formed you into my image. I created you 
In my image, you became my servant. You became as I am. As I am a servant of my word, you became a servant of my word. Don't forget about that. You are a warrior in prayer. You are my servant. I have formed you in my image. God will form us into his servant, Jacob, elevated to the status of Israel by the tool of our gentle mouth that confesses the truth of the word that is concealed in our gentle heart, the undamaged truth. With this, we conclude that the role of God in forming us into His image, consisting in the virtue of a servant of the of the Lord, that comes and this is being a servant of His word that comes out of His mouth, consists of Him sending us His word in the image of sons, the Son of of Man, the Holy Spirit, and His apostles and prophets. At the same time, our role, which is called to give God the foundation to fulfill His role in forming us into His image, consists of us receiving the word of the of the apostles and the prophets who are led by the Holy Spirit, who are carriers of His word, which is called to form us into the virtue of servants of the Lord in the status of warriors in prayer that is in the cleft of the rock and hidden place of the cliff. This role is well presented in the event that took place with Jacob when his name was elevated to the status of Israel, which means a warrior in prayer. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go for the daybreak. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Genesis 32, 24-28 Then Jacob was left alone, and someone was praying together with him, together with his soul, until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, against his soul, which is Esau, he touched the socket of his hip and damaged the socket of Jacob's hip, when Jacob wrestled together with him against his soul for the possession of his body. Jacob was praying together with this someone to possess his body, and he was praying against his soul. And he said, the Lord said, Now your name will not be Jacob, but Israel, because you allowed God to battle together with you against your uncrucified soul, and you will prevail over men. If we in our prayer battle with our uncrucified soul as Esau, who wants control of our body, have allowed God to touch the socket of our hip, which represents the support of our soul, then this means that we have paid the price for the right to be servants of the Lord. Esau was trusting or counting on what? His birthright. His birthright. Jacob took that birthright. The birthright is the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. He lost it, Esau. He lost the promise to obtain his immortal body. And he. so we understand what these things symbolize. The birthright that Esau wants, that he lost, he didn't consider it necessary, this, this adoption of the body by the redemption of Christ. If we have allowed God to touch the socket of our hip, which represents the support of our soul, then this means that we have paid the price for the right to be servants of the Lord, being submerged with baptism into the death of the Lord Jesus. And so having a 
damaged uh, form of support. That means we don't have the ability to uh, trust or rely upon ourselves. If we did, previously, we won't anymore. Sometimes a person, God leads a person through death. And in this death, God allows that a person fall into sin. And only here, coming out of the sin, rising again, he no longer trusts himself. He knows that he never, or he, he realizes that I could never do such a, th- a thing. I never would have done such a thing. But because this person loves God, he submerges a soul into death. This soul, uh, God needed to show what you trust in. You trust upon your soul. And your soul, in nature, you have inherited what kind of soul? In sin, my mother bore me, David says. And in iniquity. And so, if we can no longer trust in our soul, then we don't, we don't rely upon it, we don't trust upon it, our hope and our trust is only upon his, God and His Word, then we have paid the appropriate price to be servants of the Lord, being submerged with baptism into the death of the Lord Jesus. And in this way, we came out of the slavery of our soul and have lost the ability to trust the strength of our soul and became servants of the Lord, which gives us the ability to trust in the Lord. And this has made us a dove that is within the cleft of the rock and the hidden place of the cliff, by the virtue of which we can then judge that we have entered our inherited lot contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel. As our time is up for today, right now we will bend our knees and our heads and pray. I won't continue this thought, uh, although there's enough. I will allow our leaders of cell groups, our episcopals, that they, uh, in the cell groups, they continue uh, uh, going through these uh, prices. And so in the next uh, service, we will go on to the next name of God. Let us now pray. Uh, And thank God for that word that we had the privilege today to hear and receive into our heart. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you that you have made us your servants and this is because you have allowed us to learn gentleness that reveals itself in humility and you have obtained us to yourself we have become your servants because our hearts became gentle and this is demonstrated in our gentle mouth and it is disciplined by the truth that we have concealed in our heart we thank you that you have given us the privilege to hear and to receive the undamaged truth the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ into our heart for many people to whom it's been given before our very eyes they rejected the truth and went back to their own swamps they did not want to change from pigs into lambs and remain pigs continue to speak in tongues they have a, a split foot but they do not chew 
their food. They are those who return back to their own vomit. These are those who abandon the churches. They become antichrists, haters of Christ. I, with surprise, watch as the few people that were given the ability to hear this truth, they are not here. You had revealed this truth to your servant long ago, and I preached this truth, and I thought that it is being received, that it is being loved, but it turned out that these people returned back to their vomit, not having loved the truth, not having valued it, and you won't value them, and you will throw them out, and you will blot their names out of the book of life. And you already blotted them out because they have gathered their own satanic synagogues and are talking about how they're Jews and they they speak evil against your people. We receive the undamaged truth, but we are not all yet able upon practice to fulfill this truth. The attempt to fulfill it, we then make mistakes, we fall into sin, but you, because of your great mercy, has have said, if you received the truth, the undamaged truth into your heart, you became righteous, and all, however much you may fall, if you continue to keep the undamaged truth in your heart, I will lift you up upon the condition that you confess your sins, you reject your controlling spirit, and you stop controlling the people around you and control, rather, your tongue and your actions. Control your ears, what you allow yourself to listen to and what you allow yourself to look at. Allow your nation to be clothed into the great and noble virtues of blindness and deafness so you not look at what is happening in this religious and perverse Sodom. Not to listen to emissaries of mammon that preach evil that is clothed into good deception that is clothed into truth, deceiving themselves and others and attracting them to hell. Thank you, God of heaven and earth, for the throne of the universe that you have established in this place where you have uh, magnified your words upon your throne in our heart. And this word is not just at the altar, but is also in our hearts. May it be established, may it be confirmed, and may the enemy not destroy this stronghold, but the opposite, may the stronghold become a great mountain and destroy all the enemies, all our enemies, and bring them to shame. May the heavens rejoice and your mercy, may it cloak your holy nation. Joy because of the fact that we have this truth, may it fill us 
I constantly rejoice in your truth as one who has received something great, a great gain. I constantly sense your peace in myself, regardless of what's happening in my life. I pray that every one that hears this word and watches us on the television can also sense and understand and behave in the same spirit so that they also be clothed into your righteousness. We thank you, we worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise. Be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.